0: The Tennis Gambling podcast and the Sports Game podcast are now presented by Edge Edgeboost edge Boost enables you to double your bet with no interest. Go to sportsgampodcast.com slash edge to get started today. Welcome, everybody, to the Tennis gambling Podcast here on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. It is currently Thursday afternoon, June 8th, and I'm your host, as always, Scott Rochelle, once again going solo for this pod. Should be a fun one because it is time to go through the men's semifinal matches in the French Open, and you have two really, really good ones. You have Alcaraz against Djokovic and Rude against Verev, so very, very entertaining, high-quality tennis, at least that's what it should be, based on how these matchups look on paper, and I definitely look forward to not only breaking these down, but also Also watching these matches unfold tomorrow, but before I actually get into any of the previews there, do have some housekeeping to take care of. Before we actually recap the last episode, do want to address a couple of things. First of all, I want to talk about the audio from the last podcast. Now, some of you might be aware that I use Zoom to record my podcast here, and I also have been using the same microphone for the last year. And I have not touched the audio dial on the side. I haven't adjusted anything. So for whatever reason, the audio just came out extremely fuzzy and it sounded like I was talking through a walkie talkie. I don't know why that happened. In fact, I'm using the same exact equipment in this podcast and I made sure to test it before I actually hit the record button. And it seems to be working fine. So once again, I think that was more of a fluke of what happened with the audio last episode once again, I don't really know what happened. I didn't, like, suddenly change microphones. So I thought that was a little bit bizarre. I do still believe the audio was manageable, but it was definitely not the highest quality, so, apologize. so apologies there. And hopefully that didn't turn you off from future episodes of the podcast. But once again, I would apologize to give you an explanation. I'll give you the apology, but I can't give you an explanation because I don't really know what went wrong there. Either way, though, it does seem like the audio is back to normal, so hopefully it stays that way. Other than that, though... I did mention in the end of the last episode that we are reopening the 100th episode giveaway. I did announce a winner a couple of episodes ago, but the winner never claimed the gift card. So because of that, we're going to be reopening it. So you're going to have until Sunday to get in to the contest. Once again, to remind her how to actually enter the contest, just leave a review on either Apple or Spotify for the podcast and then send me a screenshot of that review on Twitter at rice show radio and you will automatically be entered i will pick one at random now a reminder if you did enter the first uh giveaway and then of course that one ended up getting cancelled indirectly you are automatically re-entered into the redraft so you don't have to send me another screenshot or, or anything like that i know who you are if you ended up sending me a review earlier and now of course we reopened the sweepstakes so Once again, if you already entered, you're in. But if you do want to enter the uh, drawing, then you do have until Sunday to send me a screenshot of your review on either Spotify or Apple Podcasts. But other than that, though, time to actually recap how we did on the last episode. We transitioned over from men's tennis to women's tennis as we went through the women's semifinal matches on Thursday. For the lock, we ended up losing. With had Sabalenka to win in straight sets, and unfortunately for us, the first two sets went to breakers. She did not win the first one. She did win the second one, and then the third set was none of our concern because we lost already. But I'll tell you what, it does feel a little bit better knowing that the person you bet on not only failed you, but also lost the match. And I kind of want to talk about that once I finish recapping the uh, lock and dog. So we ended up losing the lock uh, with Sabalenka to win in straight sets. As for the dog, it was not easy, but we got it done. It was Swiatek minus three and a half games in the first set against Haddad Maya. And she proceeded to win the final four games of the First set in route to a 6-2 set win. So overall, nice win for us on the dog and even money. I know once again, it's a baby dog because it was the smallest dog you possibly have, but still feels good to get over the finish line. And as a result, we basically broke even in the last episode because the dog was even money, but still better than going 0-2. And hopefully we'll sweep the board once again on the men's side here for the Friday matches. But time to actually get into the recap quickly of the semis. First things first, I'm only going to spend time on one match because the Swiatek match, once again, Swiatek's basically female Nadal on clay, so I'm not going to spend much time going through it, but to go through the Sabalenka match, it was one of the worst collapses I've seen in a long time. Now, I know it does take two to tango, and in order for one player to collapse, you need the other player to play well, or at least play better raise her level and force the person that's winning to make uh, more unforced errors or just miss some shots. So Mukova, props to her. You know, she didn't roll over when things got ugly. She fought off a match point. But Sabalenka lost 20 of the last 24 points in the match, which is unheard of. And as far as I know, it didn't seem like there was an injury involved, so I thought the whole thing was bizarre. But either way, the point is, Sabalenka ended up completely imploding, and now Mukova's in her first ever Grand Slam final, and we'll see how she fares in that one. But still, it seemed extremely unexpected. That's why it, that um we assumed we'd have a Swiatek-Sabalenka final, and then Sabalenka's up 5-2 with a match point in the third set, and then the wheels fell off. 20 of 24 points is so absurd to me, but either way, the point is, anytime you're up 5-2, 30-40, and then you proceed to lose 20 of the last 24 points... That was so unexpected. It's really all I have to say. It just reminds everybody that men or women uh, who play the sport in a professional setting, it is definitely more of a mental grind than people realize. And every time you're gambling on sports in any capacity, but let's focus on tennis because it is a one-on-one sport. It does seem like every time you see your player miss a shot, you're going, what are you thinking? What is this? But you have to remember that there's such a mental grind involved in tennis because you're all by yourself out there now it was even worse a couple years ago because they did not allow inset coaching and now they do so you do get some adjustments you can make mid-match while that used to not be the case but the point is anybody can be a victim of just completely imploding mentally and Sabalenka who is the either number two or number one player in the world depending on how you look at it the fact that she even she succumbed to an extreme choke job does tell you just how serious the mental game is for tennis. And once again, anybody can fall apart anytime. And that's kind of what makes the sport so entertaining is the fact that you can't rely on teammates. You can't rely on outside forces. It is all based on what you do on the court. And unfortunately, Sabalenka took two plus hours of really good tennis and squandered it with about 25 minutes of brutal tennis. And that was the story of the match. And to be honest, sometimes the story of the sport, which is why tennis can be cruel at various points. But other than that, though, time to actually get into the men's previews. First things first, a brief rant. Djokovic is against... Uh, Alcaraz. And of course, that is the match of the tournament. That is the match everybody wants. You can make an argument that it is the old guard versus the new guard, because with Nadal being on the shelf and with Federer being retired, Djokovic is the final member, active member, of the big three. And Alcaraz is definitely the face of the next generation. So it definitely does seem like it's going to be a great match between uh, the veteran, who's arguably the greatest player of all time, against the future number one player in the world and a guy who should, barring injury, have his own case to the best player of all time in about 15, 20 years. But still, the point is, it is definitely the match to watch. And I understand that, of course, it is in France, so the time difference is roughly five, six hours ahead of where I am. Having said that, there is no way that the Alcaraz-Djokovic match should come before the Ruiz-Zverev match. That is absurd. I don't know how you don't automatically have Alcaraz Djokovic as the night match and how you don't automatically have Rude Zverev as the appetizer. That is insane to me. I think that is absurd scheduling. You have to have Alcaraz Djokovic as the night portion. That is ridiculous. So that's my brief takeaway there. I could not believe the scheduling that Alcaraz is the early match. Now, of course, some of it is going to be me complaining because I'm on the East Coast and it's at 845. I also know that a couple of people listening to the podcast are based in the West Coast. So congratulations. You now have a you now have a 545 a.m start time of Djokovic Alcaraz, which is absolutely absurd. So I wanted to mention that briefly. I could not believe that Alcaraz djokovic was the early match and Rude Zverev was the late match. But either way, I'll wake up early, I guess, and watch it. But that is definitely unfortunate. And I'm a little bit pissed, if I'm being honest. But anyway, to get into the matches in chronological order, as a result, we are going to talk about the Alcaraz djokovic match first. Now, there has been a lot of line movement on the overall money line. Alcaraz opened up in minus 240, and now he's down to roughly minus 200. Personally, as soon as I saw Alcaraz up 2-0, In the Poss match, I automatically assumed Alcaraz would be minus 200. So I did end up predicting that one correctly. I don't get anything for it. I don't get a cookie or a medal. But still, I did think that he would be around minus 200. But to go through the actual games here, you have Alcaraz minus three and a half at minus 120. Djokovic plus three and a half at even money. And if you want to take... The money line, Djokovic, the other side is plus 175. Over under is 38 and a half games. You can get 37 and a half games at minus 130 to the over, but the default line is 38 and a half overs around minus 110, and so is the under. Besides that, though, if you want to go for sets, you can get Alcaraz to win in straight sets at plus 250. You can get Djokovic to win a set at minus 325, and vice versa. Djokovic to win in straight sets is plus 900. And the over three and a half sets is minus 215. Under three and a half sets is plus 175. If you wanted to go to five sets, that is available at plus 200. So to go through the head-to-head meeting so far in their career, they did face off on clay in Madrid last year, and that was a very entertaining match, which Alcaraz won in three. It was 6-7, 7-5, 7-6. Very entertaining match, but Alcaraz got it done and the real story of that tournament was the speed of the clay in Madrid. So you saw a lot of holds. You saw a lot of aces. And, of course, that's not the case here in Roland Garros, either because of the speed of the clay or because of the actual balls being used in this tournament, which have complained about and some other players complained about, where it was a bit harder to hit winners because the ball ended up getting fluffier as it was used. So that could potentially give Djokovic problems because he might not be able to hit as many winners because the ball itself will take some pace out of the strokes. But still, the point is you're expecting a war. Do I disagree not necessarily. Now, I'm going to start off going through the actual money line because that's the main, I'd say, talking point because Djokovic being plus 175 is borderline unheard of. However, I do think it makes sense. Simply put, I think Alcaraz has been the better player in this event so far, and Djokovic has been good, but he has been quite vulnerable at times. And once again, he almost lost the first set to Fucsovics. That was an hour and 30 in the first set. Then he almost lost each of the first two sets against Fikina, He probably should have lost at least one of those two sets. Then he beat Varias comfortably, and then he did drop a set. He dropped the first set to Kishanov and then won the tiebreaker in the second set. And then after that, Djokovic uh, ended up just cooking after that. But still, the point is Djokovic has been vulnerable at times, and that does make me concerned. Now, Alcaraz did drop a set to Tyro Daniel, of all people, in the second round. However, since that point, he has been dominant He destroyed Chapo. Now, Chapo, you know, we're low on because the unforced error count, but still, Alcaraz beat him comfortably. Then he destroyed Musetti, and Musetti was having a great tournament. He defeated Nori in straight sets where he buried Nori, and Alcaraz treated him like he was nothing and won that match just very, very quickly and easily. And then he destroyed Sitsipas. Now, the third set was competitive. It was 7 6. Alcaraz was serving for the match, got broken, and then ended up winning in the breaker. But the first two sets were just domination, 6-2, 6-1. And once again, Paz, whether you like him or not, is still a top five, top ten guy in the world. So the fact that Alcaraz destroyed him that comfortably in the first two sets. Now, some of it could be because of Paz's level, and I know he blamed it on taking a nap, which I thought was hilarious because I'm a huge ambassador of nap-taking. But still, the point is, I do have to point out, with the opponents in the last two rounds, I was more impressed with Alcaraz's performances than Djokovic's. Djokovic still looked good, but the fact that Alcaraz looked that dominant against two really good clay players, and Djokovic had some moments against Kishanov where it was a little bit dicey, and against Varias, we were on the under in that one. Varius had three separate five-set matches and a shoulder issue, so we love the spot for Djokovic. But he's been a bit of a slow starter, so I do think that you can see Alcaraz jump out to an early lead. Djokovic might wear him down with consistency, but when it comes to overall winners and who should dictate the overall points, Alcaraz should dictate most of the points. And the real story in this match will come down to Alcaraz's winners versus unforced errors, because we saw in the third set Alcaraz's level dropped. It was almost impossible to keep the same level in the first two sets against Sitsipas in the third set but the point is the unforced error count rose and you saw Paz get back into the match so I do think that'll be the story of this match if Alcaraz can af- can hit with power and with accuracy while avoiding unforced errors that's really the story for me do I think he'll be able to do it for the most part yes I do think that Alcaraz will win this match in my opinion of course I hope I'm wrong because Djokovic is my favorite player And I would love to see him pass Nadal for the most grand slams of all time. But still, I got to at least look at the matchup itself and what I've seen in this event. And I do think that Alcaraz, as of right now, is the more comfortable player on clay. Do I think minus 200 is fair? Probably higher than what I would have had it at. Once again, I assumed the odds makers would put it at minus 200. That is not where I put it. There's a distinction to be made there. I would have personally had Alcaraz at around minus 150, give or take. So I guess in theory, there is value on Djokovic. I'm not picking him to win the match, though. Now, to look at my favorite play in this match, of course, I like the over at 37 and a half. I think you're going to see potentially a tiebreaker in this match. You saw Alcaraz go to a breaker against Sitsipas. You saw Djokovic go to a breaker against Kishanov, against Fikina. You went to two against Fikina, one against Fuksovich, and one against Kovacevic. So Djokovic has had a decent amount of tiebreakers in this event and Alcaraz did have one in the last match, and even at a 7-5 set against Caboli in the first round. So I do see at least a 7-5 or a 7-6. I don't think it's going to be the exact same thing as Madrid, where every set has 12-plus games, but if one set gives you a tiebreaker, that gives you a lot of cushion uh, for other sets to get a a 6-2 or a 6-3 because you have 13 games in one set in your back pocket, and you're assuming it's going 4 or 5. So once again, I am going to go with the over in this game, in this match, either a 38 and a half or 37 and a half. I'll play it safe at 37 and a half. But I do think you will see a decent amount of games in this match. But for a prop with Alcaraz, once again, I'm not going to take the minus 205. I don't think there's value on it. However, you can get Alcaraz to win the match with each player to win a set. And that pays out a plus 130 on a bet 365. Now that I find appealing if you want to end up taking Alcaraz minus one and a half sets, which is the exact same thing, but you will, which is basically the same thing, but you can also win if Alcaraz wins in straight sets. Actually, no, it's different because that way you lose if he wins in five and you win if he wins in three. So I take it back. Uh, but I did find the prop that I mentioned a second ago at Bet365, a prop that's done quite well for us. Uh, we ended up winning with it in indirectly the various match, but we took something more extreme in that one. But we won it in the last men's episode with Rude to win his match and each player to win a set, and that was plus 175. So we have done well with that prop. I'm going to stay with it. Give me Alcaraz to win the match and each player to win a set at plus 130. But moving on to the next match, which once again is the... I guess dessert, which nobody asked for uh, because we wanted this match to come first. So you'd have Djokovic Alcaraz being later, but still, whatever. Point is, we got Rude against uh, Zverev, which should be a fun match as well. So this match is projected to be an absolute coin flip because the actual money line odds are basically even. Zverev is around minus 115. Rude is around minus 105. And to be honest, I'm a bit shocked that Zverev is favored in this match. Now, I understand Zverev has been good in this overall event, and he was able to beat Echeverria in four. He beat Dimitrov in three. I get it. I think Rudes looked like the better player in this tournament so far. Now, I guess the counterpoint is Zverev is three and one in the head-to-head. Well, one of them was a walkover, but the problem with that theory is that all three matches were on hard court, so I can't exactly use it for the sake of this uh, comparison because Rudes' best service is easily on clay and Zverev, you can argue, has his best surface on hardcourt. He's kind of good everywhere, to be honest. Grassy could use a little bit of work, but still, Zverev's a pretty well-rounded guy in terms of surface. But Root is definitely a clay-first guy. I know he made the U.S. Open final last year. He's not bad on hardcourt, but he's definitely the most comfortable on clay, and his overall ATP titles definitely prove that because he has a significantly higher number of clay titles than he does hardcore titles. But still, the point is... I do have to point out, Rude looked really, really good against Rune. And even though you can make an argument that Rune ended up struggling uh, physically early in that match, and then he ended up having to wake up a little bit, won the third set, and then Rude ended up responding and won in the fourth, the point is I have to at least point out that Rude looked really, really good throughout that match, and he was against a top-five clay player in the world. No offense to Echeverry, I think Echeverry is a good player, but you're looking at who Zverev has faced so far in this event, and you can make an argument that his level of competition has been fine, but it could be a little bit better. He beat Harris, beat Molkan. First two rounds, that's fine. Beat Tiafo in four, so tough match. Tiafoe, you know, is in good form. Killed Dimitrov, I know I'm not a Dimitrov guy, but he was playing well in this event, so that is a very impressive win, and then beat Echeverry in four. So once again, the last three rounds, fine. Uh, pretty good wins there. Etcheverry was playing good tennis that went four. So overall, Zverev in the last couple of rounds has been solid. But I have to point out that, in my opinion, Rude has the best two wins out of these two guys in this event. Because Rude, after beating Yemmer and Zepieri and Jang, dropped the set to Zepieri and Jang. So I know that could be a bit of a concern. The last two matches, though, Rude beat Jari, and Jari was cooking. He just won in Geneva. So Rude avenged that loss and beat one of the hottest players on the men's side uh, in terms of form, and he was able to win that one in straight sets. It was a war. It was 7-6, 7-5, 7-5. But still, the point is, Rude had a very impressive win there and then beat Rune, and Rune, once again, is a top-five clay player in the world, and Rude really did not have that many issues. Even the one-set Rune won, I didn't think Rude looked that bad. I just thought Rune picked up his level, and Rude potentially... Uh, struggled early on because he wasn't expecting Rune to pick up his level to that degree, but then the fourth set came around Rude adjusted and he won. So I think Rude has looked like the better player in terms of peak form in this event. Now I am aware Zverev once again has been really, really good, but I do think that Zverev being favored is a little bit fascinating and if this does go the distance in five sets, I do have some questions regarding Zverev because I'm not sure, I don't have it in front of me, I'm not sure if Zverev has ever gone five sets post-injury. I think that's the concern for me, where I wonder if this does go to the brink, is he going to struggle physically, and will Root eventually wear him down? Now, I guess the counter-argument is Zverev technically has the better first serve. The second serve for Zverev, though, has been an issue his entire career, and that could be a problem for the sake of this match if the first serve percentage isn't landing, and that kind of is what happened with Rune and Rune's second serve kind of let him down there in the fourth set. But still, I do think for the sake of this match, I am going to lean to Rude. He made the final last year. I know he's very, very successful in this event historically. And I do think that even though Zverev looked very good in the last couple of rounds, facing off against Echeverry in the quarters, no offense, it's... a. I'd say a weaker opponent than you expected. Let's put it that way. But I do think that Rude beating Rune and Jari uh, definitely suggests he's close to, I don't want to say peak form because last year's pretty tough to top, but he's close to it. And I simply put, think that Rude's peak form on clay is better than Zverev's peak form on clay. And for that reason, I am going to go with Rude. Now, I do think that once again, this will be a very competitive match. It could go either way but i don't ex- i don't necessarily believe that zverev should be favored in this match. now for the sake of the game's here, i think i have to take the over again at 38 and a half and minus 130. simply put, i think it's going four or five. i think once again you can look at an argument for whoever you think's going to win the match and each player to win a set. i don't see it ending in straight sets. i see a war, but i do think that rude eventually wins it. it's not going to be easy. i'll tell you that much. but i do think that rude once again, is slightly better on clay than Zverev, and that might be the story of the match. Not to mention the fact that Zverev has, once again, not gone to a fifth set that often, if ever, post-injury. So if it does go the distance, I am wondering, or I'm a little bit worried about Zverev's stamina. But I do think my favorite play in this match will be the over. The fact that it's a pick'em, basically a minus 115 or minus 105 or minus 110 each side. The point is, it does suggest that you're looking at a war and I can't really disagree with that. So I am going to go with the over in each match. I think you're going to see a lot of games and a lot of really, really entertaining tennis in these two matches. But still, I think I'm going to lean to Rude. And I think I am going to go with the over in this match. But that's going to wrap it up for my actual picks for the men's semifinal matches in the French Open. Now it's time for the lock and dog picks. But before I actually do that, kind of a quick word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by EdgeBoost. EdgeBoost is the world's first bet now, pay later Visa card. Edge currently offers up to $2,500 in betting advances, which you can use as an extremely valuable tool. Imagine what you can do with an increased bankroll. Get down on some of your favorite futures without tying up your bankroll for months. Double down on a favorite bet that you like, or even use the opportunity to create a great middle or even hedge opportunity. Edge Boost isn't some sleazy loan shark as they charge 0% interest. Do you know of another way to access more money to place on your favorite bets without paying any interest? Edge Boost can be a part of a responsible gambling plan as you can set up daily, weekly, or even monthly limits all across your betting accounts in one place. Support SGPN and grow your bankroll by going to slash edge to sign up sportsgampodcast.com slash edge must be 21 years or older to use problem gambling call 1-800-GAMBLER we're also brought to you by underdog fantasy best ball mania 4 is here and underdog fantasy is giving away 15 million dollars in prizes plus plenty of other ways to win in the nba the nhl and the mlb with their player prop parlays head over to underdogfantasy.com and use the promo code SGPN for a 100% deposit bonus up to $100. It's like on promo code SGPN. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast. Just finished previewing the men's semifinal matches in the French Open. Now it's time for the lock and dog picks for the show. For the lock, once again, I felt pretty similarly about both matches where I just thought it was going to be a war each way. So I am just going to go with the over in the djokovic alcaraz match. I'm not going to overthink it. Simply put, I think these guys are going to kill each other. I think that Alcaraz is going to win with each player winning a set, but that doesn't change the fact that I do expect to see a really, really entertaining match that's going to live up to the hype or at least to some degree. I think some people are expecting a five-set tiebreaker and I don't see that being the case, but I do think that at 37 and a half games and minus 130, I'm going to take that. Once again, if you get one breaker, you have a lot of insurance if it goes four and I do think that you're going to see it go four or five. So give me the over in that djokovic alcaraz match at minus 130. Once again, a 37 and a half games. And that will be my lock for the show. And for my dog, you know what? We're going to go to a play that we half chickened out on last episode, but we did recommend it. We gave out Rude to win against Rune, and each player to win a set. And that was at plus one seventy five. And what do you know? The same exact bet for the upcoming semifinal match that Rude is in is the same exact odds. You have Rude to win the match, and each player to win a set at plus one seventy five. And we are going to take that. I've said it before, but I'll say it again. I think Rude's ceiling on clay is higher than Zverev's. I have questions about Zverev's stamina if this gets into a deciding set. And Rude, based on how well he, how just he looks, so good against Jari and Rune, I do think, once again, he has a certain gear that Zverev, I'm not sure, can fully match. Now, it might come down to Zverev serving. If he serves bombs, then it's going to be, you know, potentially wraps. But Zverev doesn't really use that much serve and volley. So when Root stands that far back on the court, I'm not sure Zverev's going to take full advantage of it because it doesn't come to the net enough. And I think because of that, Root should be able to get into Zverev's service games. And once again, we know Zverev's second serve has been a serious, serious Achilles heel for for him in his entire career, and I do think that might be the story in this match. But for the sake of the uh, semifinal match here, I am going to go with Rude to win the match and each player to win a set at plus 175. If you want to play safe, you can get Rude to win on the money line at Even Money, but I am going to go for a little bit more of value there at plus 175. So once again, the lock and dog for the show, the lock is going to be the over- 37 and a half games at minus 130 in the Djokovic and Alcaraz match. And I don't mind it at 38 and a half, that's the only line you have, but I'm going to take 37 and a half just to be safe. And for the dog, I'm going to take Rude Money Line and each player to win a set at plus 175. That's going to wrap it up for this episode of the Ted Scaling Podcast. We're back once again tomorrow to go through the women's final for Saturday. Uh, then we're going to, of course, have another episode for the men's final on Sunday. Uh, once again, a reminder that the uh, 100th episode giveaway is back in action. So leave your reviews, send me a screenshot, and you'll officially be entered into the drawing to win an SGPN gift card. But until next time, you can find me on Twitter, right show radio, find me on the NBA show, find me on the NFL show, find me on the WNBA show, find me on the MLB show as well. I'm on a lot of podcasts, you get the point. But until next time, good luck to all of you and all of your bets. Bye, everyone.